HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border, coast to coast, and all the ships at sea. Streaming live from the County of Kings, Brooklyn, New York City, on the Heritage Radio Network. Are you ready for the fastest half hour on the internet today? It's the Mike and Judy Show. Spanning the globe for high-minded hijinks and low-brow kicks to bring you the best in sex, drugs, rock and roll, and nuclear fission. They're too bad for radio and too good looking for television. And now, here they are to pluck the low-hanging fruit of the literati. Your hosts, Mike Edison and Judy McGuire. All right, Judy, we're back. So good to be back. (laughs) So good to be back after a whole week off. (laughs) Well, you're looking uh, very good today. Finally got over that Morrissey episode. (laughs) <laughs> and to meet his murder sideshow. I love him. It was it would have been more than I could possibly have handled, especially that couple making out in the front row. <laughs> yeah, that was that was kind of inappropriate. Of course, they were a straight couple. One of the, the only straight men at that show were were obviously dragged there by. I went to see Morrissey at Radio City Music Hall a couple weeks ago, and it was a bunch of broads and a bunch of gay men, and then like ten straight guys who'd obviously been dragged there by their um, girlfriends or wives. Well, I'm sure uh, your boyfriend really appreciates not having been dragged there. Yeah, I know better. After taking him to Primal Scream and having him like moan about that the whole time, <laughs> I just go by myself or with a girlfriend. Anyway, but we're here with a very literary show today. I'm really excited about our guest today, Mr. Joby Hughes. Welcome. Thank you, guys. It's great to be here. Who is the author of a new novel, At Dawn, which we're going to talk about, but also your experience in uh, the salt mines, <laughs> the James Frey experience, and uh, and lots of other, and just the difficulties in like getting the word out and getting a book out, which um, Judy and I have both been through recently. Judy's uh, most recent book is the official book of sex, drugs, and rock and roll lists, which you would think would be all net and a easy easy. Uh, Scoring opportunity there, but you know, yeah, people yeah, are scared. Absolutely. People live in fear. You know, I mean, that's what I, that's my take on on it, Judy. With uh, my last uh, my book, which is actually my first work of fiction, Bye Bye Miss American Pie, and but both of our books deal a lot with sex and um, are kind of subversive in their own way. And it's weird. People have kind of confused 
the topic with the thing itself, I think. But uh, how's it going with uh, At Dawn? Good so far. You know, it's been out a few weeks. Um, you know, I toured for it for uh, about three weeks, finally off. You know, this is my last sort of event here. But, um, you know, it's tough to get the word out, especially a book, you know, published by an independent publisher. And, and fiction, uh, too. And fiction, you know, uh so, you know, trying to get the word out and spread it and, and, and get people, you know, get the book in the right hands and have people read it. You know, it's, uh, it's a grind. Let's give, give, it a little, give us a little bit of background, um, because this is, uh, at dawn, is a book under your own name. Under but, of own. course, you've had an amazing amount of success under a pseudonym in uh, what may be considered a compromised position. So why don't you give us a little background? True. Um, when I sold at dawn last, uh, it was August, last August, and considering my publishing background, my publisher wasn't entirely sure how they were going to market the book, and so they waited a little while to make any sort of formal announcement, which they finally did in October. And uh, they released a, a press release October 12th. I remember the day. It was exactly two months after the book sold. And literally four hours later, Publishers Weekly released their own article, uh, an article that was written for the sole reason to give a shit for calling at dawn a debut novel. Um, you can't win. <laughs> can't win. So, so is it, you know, we didn't call it a debut novel. We called it a literary debut, which it is, and also the first under my own name. But what a lot of people don't know is that I wrote At Dawn three drafts of it, actually, before I Am Number Four was ever even an idea. What is I Am Number Four? I know, but... For all the kids at home in Radio Land. Sure. I Am Number Four is a, a project that I collaborated with James Fry on that we, you know, I wrote uh, for... Uh, shit for him, I guess. Um, for, well, he, well, he's got like I said, lack of his, his fiction factory, more or less. The, the James. Fry. I just, I just picture a bunch of like smart young things just out of MFA programs being drained of their blood, all strapped in a row like a cattle, like a like a like meat is murder. Yeah, well, James Fry must die. There's not a lot of love for him here at, at this show, and uh, me, I mean, just that whole thing with the million little pieces really just that's where it started for me because I, you know, I had a memoir, my own memoir, come at the same exact time that that whole yeah. imbroglio was happening and as is my want I was going to do a video trailer and a little video challenging him to a steel cage match okay <laughs> I was ready because you know what I don't have to make anything up okay in my book I have fun everywhere I go I had to leave stuff out because there was so much LSD in that book I didn't think people would believe me <laughs> so I had to dial it down but I certainly didn't fabulize you know or fabricate anything and my publisher Farrell Strass Giroux was like no don't do that because you may not have lied but we have some other memoirists who are now being scrutinized and we don't need the extra attention because James yeah. Fry really had, you know, he really you know poisoned the pool. Uh, it turned into a whole shit show for for memoir writers at the, at the time, and and it's something that's still ongoing now. You know, this many years later. Um, but so so tell us about okay. So I am for. Tell us uh, that was like a number one bestseller, and it says on the back of your book, got like, turned into a movie. Author author of two. New York Times bestsellers, but they don't say the names of the book because yeah. I guess you're legally not allowed to. Well, obviously, since I'm talking about it on the this show now, there's certain things I can say. Um, if I wanted to put the titles of the book on the back of my jacket, I probably could have. But they're not the same genre. I mean, they're not the are... same genre, and I'm really trying to. You know, once you get labeled as a commercial writer, that's a, a tough stigma to break, and you know. I was fine with publishing that book under a pseudonym. You know, everything that was written about me and James in the the New York Magazine article was complete shit. 
and just you know, I, I'm so jaded towards journalism right now because of that. And not only that, but the Wall Street Journal uh, published the same article talking about this whole uh, dispute that I had with James. It, it's all it was all shit. Well, well, shatter the myth. Tell us what what, what happened and how this. Uh, you know, James and I out. have you know what my relationship with him was was uh, a genial one. We were fine. We're still friends. We still talk. We. Um, the the whole you know i have no idea what his business setup is now but when i wrote that with him it was very much a partnership you know we worked together on the book i would write a chapter i would send it to him we would talk about it and and, and progress forward uh, the 250 dollars the having no rights of being able to be fired at any time was not true for me i don't have the copyright and, you know, we went through a, a sort of contentious period when I walked away from the project after finishing the second book. But aside from that, um, you know, we're fine. And we always have been. And, and you met Spielberg. And I got to meet Steven Spielberg. I got to meet Michael Bay. I got to go on set while they filmed the, the, uh, the movie in Pittsburgh. And, you know, it was, it was a great experience. I have absolutely no regrets. It opened up a lot of doors for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a great way for me to, to come out of Columbia you know, one month after I graduated, it, it I sounds like book, a unique so. experience. I mean, I mean, from what I've heard, and you're telling me I shouldn't believe everything I read, of course. Um, but it sounds like your relationship with James is probably unique compared to other people who maybe got you know signed up for this program and who were taken advantage of because it is so hard to create opportunities for writers. Yeah. Writing is a, is a tough road to hoe. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, based on our success for that, he tried to then replicate it and, and turned it into a business. You know, that's all I can really speak on. In regards to to what he's doing now, because I I just don't know if if the the you know sweatshop or whatever you want to call it is the deals he's giving writers now who work for him is that what they're I don't know I have no idea but for me it was a very positive experience um, I, you know I don't regret it and uh, but I'm that being said literary fiction has always been my passion and I'm very happy to uh, to have been able to move on and, and write my own books under my own name that I want to you write, are very so. very. Fair. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, I, th- I think your attitude is the right one. You you benefited from it, definitely. You have a new book, totally unrelated to that liar. Um, and and you're moving forward. And I, you know, I wish you great success. And I hope everyone buys at dawn and it blows your other book out of the water. No, I think this is very positive too. Vote. I think I think uh, your attitude is, you're not is petty a good like one. Me. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> a couple of bitter authors in this room. But you know, yeah, yes and no. I mean, honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm very very thankful for you know, all the good experiences I've had. You know, as as a writer. Um, but it's true because I'm primarily known as a journalist, as a memoirist. And my book after that was uh, nonfiction, sort of American social history. And as a journalist, a lot of people weren't interested in me writing fiction. Yeah. You know, the last fiction I wrote was Penthouse Letters. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I was good at it. You know, <laughs> I made enough money writing pornography, yeah. put a down payment on my apartment. But no one really uh, you know, cares about that. So it's just sort of like an item point on my resume now. It's like you're a journalist, stick to it, Mike. And my agent didn't really want to hear about it, that I wanted well, to write fic- a novel. Nobody, no. you know, my friend, my, I have a good friend who's a ghostwriter for a number of big projects, like Snooki's book. She's, she's the ghostwriter for that. And Big Ange. And, well, I don't know if we're allowed to say that. But anyway, <laughs> she... Um, <laughs> She, that wasn't fiction. Snooki's book was actually Snooki's novel, but she has a lot of trouble. And she's like a, she's a great, a very well. She's a, fa- she's a fabulous writer. Yeah, really great writer. But and she's very just like 
you don't ever write fiction. It's with, just, with a great track record. It's really of, hard. Lots of books. Well her, her big, well, her biggest book was a nonfiction book, right? That was her biggest book. Well, her book right out right now, It's Hard Not to Hate You, just came out in paperback, available everywhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why not plug our friends? Absolutely. Well, you know, it's so hard to get, it's, as a writer, it's so hard to get a, a leg up. Like, Judy and I are both working writers. Um, and I put that in quotes. I mean, Judy, what are you working on this week? I can't reveal the name of one project, but I'm um, reviewing the haunted shows at Coney Island. But, well, okay, uh, but you do more I'll some do, marketing work for I some consumer work, I products. Do. You've done toothpaste, and I've, I've done a deodorant campaign, mm-hmm. and I'm not in advertising, but man, when that job comes along, I take that job. I remember yeah. writing, you know, they tried to turn it down. They kept offering me more money to write press releases for timeshares on a sailboat. Okay, you know, I fancy myself a successful journalist, and this is what I was writing to keep the lights on. Yeah. I mean, never mind all the pornography I wrote, which um, actually brings me to my next question. You were went to Columbia. You came out of a creative writing program in Columbia. And I'm honestly always suspect of creative writing programs, but I say this because I I've, I've never actually been in one, um, but my experience with people who've come out of them is that they are so self-conscious of being writers, they kind of wear it on their sleeves. And so many people I know who have come out, you're, you're different. You've you know, written this great novel and you've achieved things as a genre writer as well, mm-hmm. which I think is good and you weren't too precious to write genre stuff, um, which a lot of people I think that come out of those programs may be. They all want to be the next David Foster Wallace and whatnot. Oh, absolutely. I, 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 my experience, I mean, during the time, I, you know, I would kind of shit on Columbia because it's, it's an interesting, I don't know. I guess it, MFA programs are really great for people who lack the discipline to sit down and write every day. And I've never lacked that sort of discipline because an MFA program really just hammers the words out of you. You have to turn shit in every couple of weeks. Or I think that's important. You're not going to, yeah, it is. Um, but that was something I didn't necessarily need because I wrote every day regardless. Um, did you find the critiques in, in class helpful? I, I did. You really have to, um, well, you know, as Hemingway said, uh, have a, a, a built-in bullshit detector because half of the stuff that you hear from, from other authors and even from professors who are in your workshop are, is going to be shit. Who are bitter authors themselves. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And uh, so you really have to, to, to know how to take that for what it is. Take, you know, separate the good stuff from the bad stuff and, and uh, you know... I, a lot of people have a tough time. I mean, the, the absolute worst thing anybody can do is then you know take everything that's been said and try to incorporate it in, the, in their work. Oh yeah, you know, at best that's going to be a You're recipe for mediocrity and usually just shit. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, how postmodern. I'll tell you what let's take a quick break okay we've got some music from our friends at Daptone Records and we'll come back and we'll talk about writing with our friend Joby Hughes this is Mike and Judy on the Heritage Radio Network Band on heritageradionetwork.org.
Like what you hear so far? Support the network and become a member. Membership helps us bring you the best food radio in the world and gives you access to thousands of dollars in discounts at the sustainably-minded businesses that support us. To become a member, visit heritageradionetwork.org today. And we're back. I love when we get to hear Jack's voice on the radio. <laughs> he should be on every... Guys. I miss you too, Jack. Hey, Jack, we got a big show coming up though, right? That's right. Election night. I hope everybody tunes in. It's going to be the Heritage Radio Apocalypse Watch. Um, We've got some, some real surprise guests too. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, got, we got some heavyweights. So join us on election night. Uh, we're going to go live 8 to 11 right here. It's going to be a party. You're going to join us, right, Judy? Yeah, Mickey Finn and I are working on a new number. <laughs> We've got live <laughs> piano music. Last, last night, me and Mickey were working on the regional tunes. So we got a little Springsteen for when the New Jersey. All right. We got a little deep in the heart of Texas and uh, <laughs> some <laughs> Detroit music, some Michigan music. <laughs> it's going to be a not a can't miss. Um, one thing I wanted to ask Joby is like the thing that I love. I like the idea of an MFA program. I would never go into that much debt to write, but um, because I just can't afford I ha- it. I, I have without the program. <laughs> um, yeah, that's true. Exactly. I spent more on my book than I made. But um, you said that you have no trouble. So tell me, your, no trouble sitting down to write for what, like hours a day? What is your routine? Um, I write to a quota every day when I'm turning out a first draft, I should say. And uh, that's a thousand words a day every day. And I don't, uh, you know, sometimes, some days it takes me two, three hours. Some days uh, it takes me 10, literally. But, I, you know, I keep my ass glued in that seat until I hit that quota. I, I'm with the thousand word a day thing. A thousand good words, I always yeah. describe it. I want to write a thousand good words every day. That's the, the target. But, but some days I'm... I'm you know, staring up the ass of a dead dog with fleas, but I usually can do a thousand good words before lunch because after that I'm done though because, yeah. because after that the work turns bad anyway. Because you've had your beer in the shower. I've had my beer in the shower. I've had my kooky coffee and, and uh, you know, the seesaw is tipping in the wrong direction by that point. But a thousand good words and then I can take a break in the afternoon I can start playing with those words because um, I think any good writer will tell you the secret is revise, revise, revise. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. But a thousand good words, and then my word bag is empty, and I gotta put it aside and let it get filled up magically overnight. So do you have a do you have a specific place you write? Are you are you one of those people that has a routine, like two cups of coffee, or do you just no? I, well, you know, I write at my dining room table every day, and uh, my I don't necessarily have a routine. I don't write from you know I don't I'm not always at my desk by a certain time, but I my my routine is that uh, I can only write in uh, cut off sleeveless tees and uh, <laughs> cargo shorts, literally. Do you have an I don't outfit? Know what do, you, it is. do you have a writing outfit? I do have a writing outfit. I don't want to talk about really? it. Yeah. Tell us. Yeah, I can't. Jack, no, come on, you can't get up. It's We're really, letting you look like that. Yeah. Do you sorry. write with all your girlfriends? I we have we have Vaseline pillow fights. <laughs> then I am energized to write with pasties. I hear that's how Snooky's book got done too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so tell us a little bit about At Dawn. Sure, uh, it's a, a, a coming of age story, I guess, about a. Um, 27-year-old aspiring writer who, at the beginning of the book, leaves New York for Chicago to try to outrun uh, his very dark past. It's sort of, a, I guess, a, a mystery novel in that sort of sense. I hate to put it in that sort of genre, but... Um, God forbid you become a genre I know, writer. I know. I never would have thought about that until um, I did a, a radio interview last week, and the woman was kept saying, you know, it's really a mystery, because you don't... I'm like, well, but I guess it is. What's wrong about writing a mystery novel? What's wrong with being a genre yeah. writer? You know, I, I mean, ideally, I think if I were to 
write another novel um, or something serious. I've always wanted to write a mystery novel, but of course, I think mine, I'd like to think it would be literary, and I hope it, it might, would yeah. be I mean, in literary, the mystery no section of the bookstore. It would be in the sure. literary fiction. Without but a doubt. ideally, like Thomas is it Pinchon's last book was the, the, the mystery, which I thought was great, and um, but, certainly but Raymond what, Chandler, my all-time favorite author. I know, that's well, that's the whole thing. And this is an industry, like and, the music industry, too. It used to be more so. They, now, yeah. they just want to put you in a box. Exactly. So how so. dare you color outside the lines, Toby? <laughs> you know, it, it is very much a literary novel, regardless of, of whether you know there's elements of mystery in it or not. But um, look, no one's going to mistake you for Dan Brown, okay? <laughs> okay. God. You know, I mean. I wish I could be mistaken. Yeah, I would, exactly. Yeah. I wouldn't mind that. Well, that's one of those things. I mean, that book is so ham-fisted. It's so poorly written. But the story is very compelling. There's no question about that. And I read it on a, um, a transatlantic flight in one sitting. And I got to say, I really enjoyed uh, The Da Vinci Code. But, I mean, some of the writing was just fucking embarrassing. And, you know, reading your stuff, I mean, um, you have an alacrity with your prose. And, and you're deft and you're facile and you know the language. And, you thank know, you. And it, yes. And, it, and, it's, and it's art, but it's not um, so self-consciously art that it's getting in yeah. the way of telling a story. That was a very exciting part about writing at dawn. After you know, writing in the very simple prose that I had to for I am number four in the power of six. It was like this, this oh, holy shit! Look, at, I can actually show that I know how to write. I can, I can have sentences that that go on more than than two lines. You know, I mean, there is uh, there is so a liberating talent to that, though. I mean, I, I wrote a Hardy Boys mystery myself, oh. and that I mean, the the um, prescribed limits on that went down to character per line, mm-hmm. but you know writing it's it's an exercise it, it really it's just like a technical exercise that i think shows your discipline but this is also why you know newspapers read so easily and if you look at the tabloids like the new york post you'll never find more than 25 words before someone hits a carriage return do they still call it a carriage return uh, you know, nobody before, knows what that is before, like. before starting a new graph okay but and that's fine because it reads very quickly that way and you know long paragraphs are a luxury they're hard well as long as they don't get in the way i mean not everybody can be norman mailer and write like a five-page paragraph Sure. And do we really want to either? As much as I admire Norman Mailer, I mean, it can be rough going sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, my my own inspirations, you know, uh, I have Hemingway's initials tattooed on, on the underside of my left wrist. And, What's that? Yeah. What's um, that tattoo? This is uh, another Hemingway. It's my one of my favorite quotes from uh, Farewell to Arms. Uh, it says, strong at the broken places, which is um, taken from a much longer... Well, you know, the last guy on here was talking about Hemingway. He took off to Hollywood after the show. Yeah, he wrote, our friend Marty Beckerman wrote the Hemingway. I don't know if you've read that, but no. it's re- it's very funny. And it's a guide to being macho, <laughs> more God, or less. That is great. Like um, you must kill your own food <laughs> if it's meat. That's murder, Judy. Your friend Morrissey wouldn't approve. Well, Marcia and so I what's the, what's the McGuire writing method? Because you, especially lately, when you're doing more commercial writing, uh, which is different, it's not you're not writing for yourself. You're writing specifically for a client, mm-hmm. which is something entirely different. You know, well, see, it's hard because now after writing for money for all these years now, like I write, I, I write a weekly column for a paper in Seattle. I um you know I do commercial writing. I do if I don't have a deadline and a paycheck waiting for me, it's really hard for me to sit down and write something just for myself. Like work on a book on spec, work on a book proposal, because I'm so used to, I, I kind of wish I had a different, used a different part of my brain in, in work, because I feel like I kind of use it up writing really boring marketing copy. Well, I say that Bye Bye Miss American Pie was my first piece of fiction, but I wrote 28 pornographic novels, right? Um, which is which is being moved further and further down on my CVs. I find that it's turning more yeah. and more people off. Maybe that was a good ticket back in the day because um, it's such 20. a well, yeah, you know, it's it's a it's a G whiz number 28, 28. That's right, Angela Class Virgin. 
busting Susan's cherry. They were mine. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rich man sex toy. Yeah, that was mine. Um, and the uh, thing was, we wrote, a, we, wrote a book, we, we wrote a book a week. And you had to do it. There were about 45,000 words each. They're, I mean, they're short books. That's and they were still, filthy. And this is how I learned how to, how to write and not be intimidated. This is like after I, would fla- I flagged out of NYU because I couldn't write 5,000 words on the myth of the Western or some revisionist noir, yeah. you know, you know, babble because I was in, in film school and I couldn't get the paper done. And all of a sudden I was writing a book a week. And when I got back to school, I, went to, I was an inmate at Columbia for a short time. It was no longer a problem. And I'd write all my papers with the same techniques I used to write long porn stories. I mean, you'd sit down. I worked from an outline. I always outline it, know where I'm going, and I sit down with a bottle of bourbon. When the bottle of bourbon was done, the paper would be done. <laughs> and it worked. But it was, like Jesus says, it was about putting your head down and writing. You know, hungover, fuck you, right. Feel like fucking off and going to the ball game, fuck you, right. Put the bong away, quit doting on the cat, and don't make another sandwich, right? Because otherwise, you don't get paid. I mean, what are you, do you? Have you sold your next book? I mean, I know this is a terrible thing to ask a writer, but what's next? Uh, I, sorry, I'm, I'm still trying to, to, to imagine writing a, a book a, a week. It was, it was a crime against the language And you talk about, you know, you talk <laughs> about hitting imagine. that return The carriage return uh, Really fast One thing we always said uh, was never underestimate the dramatic impact Of a one word paragraph So there'd be these sex scenes that'd be like, uh, mm, uh, mm, uh, <laughs> Because on a page it would go And oh, you really yeah. had to get to the end of the, end of the chapter You know it was a line count You get to the end of the chapter And you'd suddenly be chapter yeah. two And that's how you got a book done And for a while you could really play There's always every book had the same conversation you want a trick? Sure. What do you got? What do you have? What are you interested in? Scotch? No. Gin? Yes. No. Yes. No. Tequila? You know. Oh, and yeah. that would that would just brrr, a lot of white space because the books were about forty five thousand words, but really they were like six hundred lines each chapter, and that's why mm. we counted. So there are a lot of tricks we could play, but still, the books had that plots, beginning, middles, and ends, and you could only cheat it so much. Sure. Absolutely. Um, Christ, I, I don't actually even remember the question. Um, <laughs> Mike, let our let our guest speak too. <laughs> uh, so after after I walked away from the project, I, I definitely had uh, I felt a sense of urgency to hurry up and get get my own shit out there because the longer I spent uh, without getting my own book out there, the, the harder it was going to be to break that label that you know I was a commercial writer and. If, you know, people started calling me a ghostwriter, which is complete bullshit. I wasn't. But um, uh, what's next? So, so I, I, you know, got at dawn out, which I'm, you know, it's it's now out on shelves. I'm thrilled. I'm happy. But that being said, I, I still, I still feel this sense of urgency to, to hurry up. I'm almost done with my next book. It's called At the Gates of Pyrrhus. It's about an Iraq war vet who comes home on leave, goes AWOL from the war, embarks on a cross country killing spree to do away with everybody he deems necessary or deems responsible for fucking him up. A uh, very dark book, about as far from YA as you can possibly get. Yeah, really. Uh, 80,000 words done. I figure I have about another 40,000 to go, so two-thirds of the way This is the through. literary version of uh, Rambo, First Blood? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I hope. Um, do you do what Mike said, like work off an outline? I don't. I don't. Um, you know, I, I, I start with a, a broad concept and, and go from there. Um, I I think that, you know, my own philosophy that is if you, you, you tell yourself the great lie of art, or at least bad art, that you are in control, then any hope for the truth is lost. Or as my protagonist in, in At Dawn says, uh, the surest way to be wrong in a story, as in life, as in a relationship, is to think you're in control. So I try not to control my stories as much as, it's cliche as hell, but I think stories, for the most part, write themselves. And that that, that being said, you know, when I start, I... I fill legal pads. I, I 
fill, you know, my desk is cluttered with uh, sticky notes of ideas of things that I think are going to come with possible endings, but I don't box my stories in. I, I let them go. Sometimes they go in the direction I think they will. Sometimes they veer in a completely opposite direction. It's great so. when you can surprise yourself. Well, I think it's a- that's that's the fun creating characters and putting them loose in the world and just kind of see see where they go, see what happens. You know, it's kind of voyeuristic. You know, after anybody who lived has spent time in New York City, uh, I guess turns into a voyeur in one sense or another, and I very much have. And um, well, yeah, I think it's. I think I mean, your point is. I think it's very important. Is it's, you have to listen to your own book because it will definitely tell you what it wants to be. Yeah, and I you can. can you can't fight it. You can't fight back against the book. That being said, I, I mean, I'm talking using an outline, of course, for writing nonfiction, which you know, and there are so many things you have to hit. But when I um, oh, yeah, am writing absolutely. fiction, something um, David Lynch had said once that I remembered that I, I took to heart, and he uses index cards, and I started using the system a little bit too. And he says, well, you put a scene on each card, and when you have 80 cards filled, you pretty much have a movie. And you know, I'm very big on putting it on the wall or laying it on the floor, and then you can just sort of move parts around, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like a rubric until you, you know, yeah. it really is where you want it to be. And um, like I said, you know, you're writing fiction, you get to a place. And all of a sudden, a new possibility emerges. And that is what life is about. It's all about possibilities, right? And good fiction, I would think. Absolutely. Um, you know, you can definitely uh, go off the rails a little bit, as, mm-hmm. as our lives all have. Has it been, once again, the fastest 30 minutes on Radio Judy? You can't believe it. So. <laughs> it flew right by. So, Joe, but you're doing a couple uh, gigs in town, but you're on tour. Um, where can people find you? Uh, on your website, on Twitter, on Facebook? Well, at this point, the tour's done. You know, I, I've... Um I was in New York for a week. I'm happy to be back here now. Uh, I spent a week in Chicago, but but um, that being said, who knows what's going to come up? Um, JobieHughes.com, J-O-B-I-E-H-U-G-H-E-S. I have my tour on there for for all future events. Uh, you know, anybody wants to learn more, go there. Shoot me an email. And you're um, moving to New Hampshire, right? <laughs> ju- uh, yeah, live free I, or die, baby. Live free or die. I'm uh, moving there tomorrow, actually. So unfortunately, uh, I'm going to have to watch the election results on Tuesday uh, oh. from a hotel room, which I'm dreading. I and understand. Uh, better than can- being in a bar in New Hampshire. I, I, I understand. At least one of the candidates will be doing the same. I think. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, well, all right. That's Joby Hughes for uh, Mike and Judy and Jack the Engineer. This is Mike Geddes, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website, or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.